Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know, and I, I, I was below average. You know, so, whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay. I will be providing what I'll call an elite level of mixed training. Whatever pace you can go, you'll be certified as somebody completely capable of performing at a black belt level. So you say, but Aaron, my company won't pay for my certification. I can't afford to pay for it myself. And I'll say, I know because I offer those programs. But I also want to make sure that I can get to those people who cannot afford to do it themselves. This is what we're doing. We're doing a subscription model. This means that you decide how much that you're going to pay by how long you take to complete the program. So here's how you apply. Go to www.esuccess-methods.com slash BB2017. Here's the password. All lowercase E6S-BB2017. Push through it real hard. You could be done in two months. Give it some due diligence. You can be done in five months. If you give it some time and work through it and it still takes you a year, you still saved a ton of dough. So if you can afford $9 per day, you're hardworking, and you have a burning desire to grow and develop as a problem solver, and, you know, 20% extra potential pay bump wouldn't be bad, I wouldn't hesitate. I would take advantage of this right now. The price is low, and again, I can only take 20 Once that space fills up, that's it. All right. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me. All right? All right. You got a dream. You got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. You want something, go get it. Period. Welcome to the E-Success Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 161, part two of our project schedule planning series, this time the Agile, er, Scrum Way. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Jacob, I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing good. Thank you for asking. I uh, hear you just had a fun traveling a lot of snow. Uh, yes, I spent about two hours uh, moving what uh, seems to be uh, 18 inches of extremely heavy snow. That's right. Excellent. Did you get your kids to help you? No. Whoa, that was so nice of you. <laughs> uh, for one, there's only one shovel. All right. Uh-huh. So uh, there's that. And then when I said, well, how about you go outside and shovel? Then I got a very large protest from my youngest one hmm. saying it's cold outside and we know that she doesn't like the cold. Wow. <laughs> We've got a little bit of of uh, indoctrination to do there, a little bit of assimilation to mm. uh, work on with her. Interesting. The pleasures of living in the country. That's why you need to move into a big city. 
You don't have a yard, you don't have a parking spot, you know, you just finagle your way somewhere and leave your car there. Don't need a car, right? I mean... (laughs) That's true, uh, for the most part, but, you know, (laughs) it's always advantages to have one. Yeah. The only thing I know of the cities, mostly as far as living, I've seen on TV, and I don't know if it's for me. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, I'd have to give it a shot, though. I'm sure my wife would love it. It depends. You're going to be constrained on space. Mm Mm-hmm. Anywho... What are we going to talk about today, Aaron? What do you want to talk about? Well, we did talk about last time some task duration estimation using some, I guess what I'll call traditional project management techniques using the PERT analysis. And then we showed how Monte Carlo could better predict mm-hmm. or with more precision um, with greater quote-unquote confidence Got it. a total duration. Uh, and then, But we ended up saying, asking, because there's this question of, the paradox of being precise with an estimate and having that mm-hmm. same thing share the same sentence. And the fact that we could never really know if any of the math that we were doing was actually accurate because yep. that's just, I mean, it's just a plan and so many things come to play when it, when it comes to execute. So, so then I asked you, does agile do it any better? And you said, yes, of course it does. So that's why we're here. I don't know if I said, yes, of course it does, but I said they do it differently. Okay. <laughs> it's a different way. So, so you know, I mean, I think so we can call this episode maybe estimation in Agile. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speaking specific to Scrum, um, not necessarily in XP or Kanban or any of those methodologies. But So maybe let's say estimation in Scrum. And, you know, before we get into that section, let's revisit, right? What is actually estimation used for? Typically, it, it's to roll up and you say, hey – boss, uh, we're going to need these types of resources, and we expect to have something for you by the end of such and such a date. Yeah, it's basically to get to some sort of uh, a commitment or a completion date and to figure out what resources or tools or machinery or people, whichever combination of those are necessary at what stage. Mm -hmm. That's really the whole idea of estimation, right? Um, So how I look at it is for the for the people who have to do the work, it's basically so that they can confirm on what they are going to be able to commit to right. completion. And also for the people who are doing the work to kind of get a rough idea of what is coming down the pipe and how much work is this going to be like so that they have a rough sense on how to maybe start figuring out the plan of action for execution. For the others who I would call as the stakeholders or the leaders or the executives, what they want to know is, when will I have this done? Right. So estimation is a way for meeting both these needs for these different groups of people. Now, in the last episode, we basically talked about, you know, estimation is usually done in two specific ways. One is what I would call an absolute estimation, which is, you know, in some sort of days, time, something with respect to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we talked about the different methods that PMP or the other traditional project management methods do. Right. That's definitely, I would say, in general, a very common way of doing estimation. Mm-hmm. Another way which I think Scrum really encourages is this concept of relative estimation. Mm. Now, uh, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking about it, but it's more about bucketing it into groups of what size or what 
kind of work is this? So if you've heard of, hey, is this a small task? Is it a medium? Right. You know, is it a large, is it an extra large? Just bucket it into that. And your definition of what a small is and what a extra large is is literally just like your T-shirt size. It's relative to each other. So, so it's all just very discrete categories. Don't try to be too precise. We just know this is bigger than that. It's just bigger than that or this is, you know, you could have a small, medium, large in the kids section, you could have a small, medium, large in the women's section. Mm-hmm. You can have a small, medium, large in the men's section. And the the biggest idea is is how much bigger is large compared to the small, so or how do much you, bigger is extra large compared to the small. Do you create a you know pick a task and create a baseline off of that? Yeah, that's what I normally recommend, um, and we'll get through the process okay. uh, for that soon. But that's what you call as t-shirt sizes, and you can think of, do I call it small, medium, large, or some other folks use a scale to put that. So the progressive scale, which is powers of two. So two raised to zero is one, two raised to one is two, two raised to two is four, and you keep going down the series. So it's zero, one, two, four, or not zero, but one, two, four, eight, sixteen. You can build a scale that way. Okay, and, and what's the sense of that? What's the benefit of that? No, so, I'll, I'll, so it, that's more of, if you have to quantify, right? So okay. if you want to say, hey, a, a large actually equates to, let's say, four units of work, whatever that unit may be. A unit may be a month, a unit may be a year, but a large is four units of work. And if you say an extra large is technically 10 units of work. Uh, so that could mean on average, it's basically about a year of work or two years of work, whatever that might be. So it's a relative scale for that. So that you can bucket and then at the end of the day, like I said, it's for the team to say, how much can we commit to based on the resources that we have right now? Okay. And the other sort of a scale that people normally use is the Fibonacci series. Now, this is a test for you. Do you know what the Fibonacci series is? <laughs> you know, I thought I did, but then you described the progressive, and that's what I thought the Fibonacci was. <laughs> no. <laughs> Close enough, but no. So Fibonacci is Isn't it just uh, adding the same number to itself? Yes. Not to itself, to the next number. So it's, uh. it's 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13... 21, etc. Got it. So one plus one, one, I guess you do one plus one and then you mm-hmm. do two plus one and you do three plus two and you do five plus three and you go yada, yada, yada. Okay. So that's the Fibonacci series. And why did the Fibonacci series come into play? Because people started saying, you know, not everything if you equate it is double the size of the other one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is this two times or four times more complicated than the other? Probably not. It's somewhere in between. So they figured that this sort of a scale made it made things easier to bucket than going in like double or triple the size. So is I mean, is this or these sort of numerical? Is that just because the t-shirt sizes or something so categorical is is too broad, not precise enough for the type of people who? Are usually in these meetings. I mean, we're talking about high C's who need to have some sort of numerical, even if it's fake, uh, some sort of numerical way of estimating. Or I, I would equate it more. I never thought of it that way, but I would equate it more because at the end of the day, you want for people to say this is what we can take on. So sure. to kind of translate that, you know, how much is three smalls and one large? Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably easier than that to say, well, a small is a point each and a large is four points. So three plus four is seven. 
we can basically take four points worth of work or seven points worth of work. And we feel comfortable committing to that. And that's either the progressive series or, or yeah, you know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't yep. really matter. At the end of the day, you're ba- you, you know, based on the team you've been working on, what your relative capacity is and mm-hmm. you're adjusting based on that. So I guess in that case, you would, uh, for say a, a scrum team, mm-hmm. you would want to not mix and match these different methods, sort of agree on one and stick with it throughout the program. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And, you know, you kind of get to and your relative, you know, like you said, pointed out, right? It's basically you're picking something as a base story or base kind of work. Hey, for us to install or to lay carpet on the floor is the easiest thing. Everything Mm -hmm. else is going to be measured against laying carpet. How hard is this particular tower hard is putting drywall compared to laying carpet? Yeah, it's about three times as harder or it's about five times as harder. Got it. And that's how you're building the relative skills. Cool. Okay. You have the two different sort of methods out there. Now let's think about why did relative scales come into play? Or what were some of the challenges that the traditional estimation, as I call it, which is the absolute estimation or the the old PMP methodology, what was that doing? Well, for for one thing, I think we, as people, drastically overestimate our ability to do things quickly or we underestimate the time it takes to do things. So I think that's, that's one thing, you know, yep. um, and we always expect that we'll be a hundred percent on, uh, on task and that everybody's an expert at doing things. Um, and we, and we never really usually take variability into account. Mm-hmm. So, so then there's that. And then I'm trying to think about, you know, why is it that sometimes I use a relative scale rather than, uh, an absolute scale on like say maybe a design of experiments or like a, a rubric mm-hmm. for the FMA. And, and I think it's just to rather than on a time scale per se, you can make things a little bit more familiar um, that something that people can relate to uh, mm-hmm. rather than, um, you know, the, the, that much precision, I guess you you avoid the the need to get into that level of precision, I suppose. Yeah, and I think that was reality, right? Like, so if you think about it, you're trying to make, you're trying to estimate a particular task, and again, this was predominantly used being used in the software world, but I can see this being applied for anything. You're trying to get something, or you're trying to estimate something with such a high level of precision, mm-hmm. and in many cases, you don't even know what this work is going to end up like. That's kind of like it's kind of like using if you think about if we think about measurement system mm-hmm. uh, having the kind of precision to measure in millimeters but we're but we're using uh, yardsticks exactly so you're trying to do it that way um, you're also now trying to make some sort of prediction and again in the traditional project management world you're trying to make some sort of a prediction granted you might have had historical data but that is not considering the current situation, mm. the current process, or the current resources, uh, or the current capacity, or the current scope of the project. You're making a wild guest estimate that this is similar to that, so let me just take on the same exact thing. And you're making some bold predictions that we will be done by the end of Q1. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if any project manager has the decision uh, capacity to... To make that commitment, I think that commitment is made 
<laughs> but, for them but and the, they figure out how to do it right it could be that or it's either way right well i will get it done by q1 as long as you can give me x y and z resources okay when, when they're saying the x y and z resources they're basically saying as long as you give me you know and again if i take the software world as long as you give me two front-end developers uh, an api developer somebody who knows java and somebody who's who's very familiar with the qa methodology as long as you give me these six people mm-hmm I'll give I'll 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 say this is going to be six months. Got it. But in reality, that's now going to assume that the people I'm getting all have very high skill level or or are the best people in these jobs because I'm not necessarily accounting for what expertise these people have and I when they are coming to join the team, what experiences they have in this platform or this sort of architecture that we are planning to do here. None of that's figured out. I'm just saying I just need these skill sets. And frankly, none of that, nothing, none of the requirements have been translated into um, anything. anything. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's really just a gamble, an over-under sort of gamble. Yep. And, of course, again, who's making this estimation? The project manager. Project manager, yeah. Not the people who are doing the work. Okay. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. I will be providing one-on-one coaching, self-paced online learning. You'll be certified as somebody completely capable of performing at a black belt level. Go to e6s-methods.com slash bb2017 with the password e6s-bb2017. It is an application process. I am selecting just 20 people who I believe have a high probability of completing this successfully. Once we get past this step, get ready and start looking for a project and the value of the fact that it's self-paced doing it when and wherever you can. So, you know, these were some of the things that kept bothering you know, even the project managers, because they've been asked to do things which they're not necessarily 100% familiar with or confident with. And that's kind of a lot of reasons why, you know, traditional project management, at least for software development, was suffering. And I'm sure this is not just for project management. I mean, I can say the same thing for lean projects. You know, we always make bold predictions. Well, we have to get this done in three months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next thing you know, the first meeting will probably happen a month and a half later because you couldn't get on everybody's calendar at the same time stakeholder yeah that's a good point yep. yeah so you know it's like one of the things that's come uh, or encourages or you know any of these projects encourages you kind of have the team blocked off or resourced off completely so you know who's doing what when where right and they're committed to this again in most projects it is that way if you think of a construction project you're basically saying well i need these contractors by this date because i plan to be here and you know i need the plumbers by this time i need the electricians by this time and things of that sort but mm-hmm. Again, it's as long as the people who are doing the work or the number of people you have that are in it that are making that commitment, I think it's so much better. So those were some of the challenges that, you know, traditional estimation was bringing along with it. Okay. So now that I'm telling you, don't estimate things on time because Mm. I'm saying that's what basically got everybody in trouble. What should the team be estimating things on then? So if it's not based on time, I'm thinking, and I I guess I, I do this on some of my projects, my personal projects where I may just categorize them based off of, uh, effort, mm-hmm. you know, what, what total effort, you know, is this a high me- and it's really just, it's just high, medium, low effort versus the, uh, and actually I'll, I might do it on a grid, uh, effort versus, uh, uh, value or something like that or payback. Yeah. But you know, when I, when I hear the word effort, mm-hmm. that basically comes down to time again. 
how much time does it is it going to take me yeah no i guess that's true uh but they are in large i guess there are larger categories of time but it also it's effort also equates skill mm-hmm. like some something would take a lot more effort if you don't really have the skill for it but yeah you're right it's time it's time right mm-hmm. so what i want or what scrum encourages is estimations shouldn't necessarily be based on time it should be based on complexity so okay. how hard is it for us as a team to do this task along with complexity when the complexity grows most likely uncertainty also grows so yeah this is really complex but i'm pretty certain that this is the solution or this is pretty complex and we really don't know what it might be or what we will unearth when we start doing this so the uncertainty right. is also very high mhm and when you have the complexity and the uncertainty or when you try to say your estimation is high what you're really trying to say is the risk in completing this is also really high okay because i have a much higher estimate because i'm not sure what i'm doing or i'm not sure how this is going to be accomplished so i'm telling you this is complicated because of my higher estimate chances are i might figure it out very easily and get it done but most likely there is a big risk associated with me doing this and that's the that's the idea of an estimate so when you hear people say can you break your work down can you make it much more easier or much more simpler what in reality they are trying to tell you to do is can you reduce the complexity of the story or can you reduce the uncertainty of the story so that now that it is a much smaller work or much smaller task mm-hmm. everybody knows what needs to be done and the complexity is reduced so much that you are pretty much confident when you give a smaller estimate and how is that different than say a work breakdown structure where things are broken down into an estimated somewhere between 1 day and 5 days task uh duration it's not it's very similar to that it's ex- okay. the only difference is how exactly do you work the breakdown which is a different discussion all by itself sure i will leave that for another day um but yes that's the entire idea M- make work into smaller bite sized chunks so that you can estimate and then get to your prediction as a much more preciser number and that but that number is still risk complexity based yes everything okay. every estimate is based on risk and complexity got it so i kind of alluded to this earlier but i'll ask the question again it's definitely not the project manager so who should be doing the estimations on the work well now that you bring in i mean the idea of complexity the only people who know how complex that would be are the frankly the coders and, and anybody who's actually got experience doing that work um you know in the past and anybody who says and maybe maybe they say oh that's not too bad i have something similar um i'll just copy paste and and whatever mm-hmm. or they say hmm never done that going to have to start from scratch this this might take long however i see i'm trying to avoid using time terms but um it's it, hard <laughs> it's, it's it's our inherent thing because that's what we're used to and right you know we just we just incline towards that but you're absolutely right it's the people who actually do the work are the ones who should be estimating because a couple of things they understand the complexity or the uncertainty of what they need to do so you know your exactly what you said earlier your skill set Aaron and my skill set might be completely different mm-hmm. so if you and i have to do the same project we might come up with a different estimate on it right it is based on what is my team or our team's capacity 
uh, what is on our plate to get done and how does this fit in amongst other things so that's when we are making a good estimate on and when you do this as a team if you and i are on the same team and you say this is yeah this should be very simple and i say no really i don't have the skill so this is really complicated for me right it 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 then sets a it sets an average for the team to say well for us as a team we think this is what it's going to take because again it's not clear whether you are the one who's going to be available first to do this or i am the one who's going to be available first to do this so if i take it as the best person's guess so in other words if i do all the estimates based on your skill i am going to grossly or we as a team are going to grossly miss it because let's be honest you can't do all the work which maybe you can but that's really not the team aspect over here so are we talking about uh, putting together a a list of stories and sending out a survey for uh, each individual to decide how complex they think it is? Oh, that's not the way it's done. What? So let's talk about how estimations are done. All right. So what typically I encourage is the entire team to sit together. So hopefully all the different players in the team, you read out the task or the story that needs to be done. You ask the appropriate questions to get the details. They call it acceptance criteria on what should be considered as a done for the story. And who, for this who, who's, who's the the, uh, the lead person to bounce those ideas off of? Where Who are they mining that detail from? Product uh, owner? Yeah, or? yeah, product owner, product manager, whoever is available, or a stakeholder who is requesting okay. that work to be done. They're clarifying. You're clarifying all the requirements per se, not necessarily on how to execute on it, but what will you consider done or what what should I give to you for you to say this is done? They're going as close to the source yes, as they can, right? As they and can. And the product owner is supposed to be the liaison directly with the end end user. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. So you're asking them that question, getting all the things you need to do and discuss the, so that everybody clearly understands what this feature or this work is all about. Mm-hmm. And then you say, all right, let's estimate this story. Simultaneously, you know, almost like a blind vote mechanism way, everybody passes on their estimate for this work. Irrespective of whether Aaron has to do this or Jacob has to do this or somebody else has to do it, we all estimate this story. Okay. What do we think? How complex do we think this is? And how uncertain are we on what needs to be done? Okay. Now, to do this blind vote, there are so many tools that exist out there. And it's different fun ways to do it. So one of them is you actually have playing cards, which are poker, planning poker playing cards. So you you get playing cards in the small, medium, large, extra large sort of sizes. Uh-huh. You get playing cards in the Fibonacci series. You get playing cards in the progressive series. So depending on whatever scale you use, those playing cards exist and you can buy them. So it's not just it, – these are specialty cards. It's not just regular old deck of cards. No, no, no. You actually get regular specialty cards for this. Okay. Or if you are creative, you can just create your deck of cards yourself and you right. know, assign names to it or whatever. So that's one way. For teams that are remotely located, again, not very ideal situation, but if you have team members that are all across the globe and you have to work collaboratively on this, there's a software, or I shouldn't say software, an online portal called planningpoker.com. Nice. And you can, you know, you can just input all the work you have to do ahead of time and then once the meeting comes, everybody is allowed to uh, basically submit their vote when they log into this website. And once everyone submitted it, it'll show this is what everybody's estimated it at. 
Okay, so that's a little bit more passive. That's not a discussion per se. No, no, no. So initially you do the blind vote. That's what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are apps on the phones that help you do this. So again, um, if you look, I sent a list which you know somebody was rating the five best ones that exist right there, which basically shows there are a lot more than five apps mm-hmm. out there. Um, so that's around. Uh, if you are going the old textbook method, you can just create a whole bunch of post-it notes with numbers or text or whatever sure. you want on them and use that. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have yeah. to be electronic necessarily. Yeah. You don't have to get a specialty set of cards. No, but You can do okay. it. Or I've seen people use their fingers. Got it. <laughs> you know, pick up a number and show it on your fingers. <laughs> so at the end of the day, what, the, what they're trying to say is don't be influenced by somebody else's estimate give everybody a chance to individually think what they think it is going to be. So as soon as that number or that whatever the the range is put up, now you have a discussion. Hey, Aaron, you said this is a two when I said this is an eight. Mm -hmm. Why were we so far off in our estimate? Okay. And then we get into a discussion because Aaron, you will say, well, you only need to do X, Y, and Z and you're done. And I'm like, have you thought about the A, B, C, A, G, Y, A, and one, two, three that needs to be done? And then we get into that discussion because that will then clarify some of the things we need to ask each other. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. So now that we understand both these things, okay, let's now clear out the hidden assumptions, if you want to call it. Right. And then if if necessary, update the acceptance criteria, update the story with the details. And now let's now that we have much more clarity amongst us again, mm-hmm. let's re-estimate this and see what happens. Okay. So hopefully by the second time, pretty much everybody is around the same ballpark. Now, should we all get to the same number or the same bucket? I would say if you keep doing it over and over again, you're losing the point. At the end of the day, if pretty much everybody is picking between a three and a five, yeah, go with the five just to be on the safe side. Okay. Or if pretty much everybody has a three except one person, go with the majority. Okay. It's yeah, up, that makes sense. It's up to the team. Again, the whole idea is so that you have a rough understanding on how complex or how hard this is. So when it comes down to commitment or when it comes down to having to tell somebody when can you get this done, you have that idea. Even even in this uh, fake measurement system, precision is not as critical. No, the idea is not precision. So what Agile then forces you, or I would say what Scrum then forces you to do is, hey, this particular time you estimated the story or you failed because you didn't get this done when you thought you were going to get it done mm-hmm. because your assumptions that you made were pretty poor. How are you going to make sure that the next time your assumptions are corrected or you're getting into much more details so that this is not repeated again? It okay. forces you to go back and confirm those things. Got it. So that's basically how estimations done in an agile world or in a scrum world, I should say, not necessarily agile. Like, misuse that term right Um, and the thing i would highlight is then why should it be done this way why should why is it encouraged to do relative estimation and why should the team be doing it well let me let me ask you this before you move on to that you know you now you've got a list of of uh what we called stories which is the smallest you've been able to break the work down into Mm -hmm. and and estimate complexity Mm -hmm. now are these stories all added up and and we say okay now we've got you know, 100 points of complexity to get through in these next two weeks? Yep. Okay. No, no, no. There's another step. That's not the estimation part. Thanks for listening to episode 161 of the eSuccess Methods podcast. 
stay tuned for episode 162, where we continue our discussion on project schedule planning within the Agile Scrum framework and ruminate the challenges of attempting Agile with a waterfall mindset. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comments section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at e6s-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our LinkedIn group. Why not join our discussion there? Just click the link to join. If you heard something you like, use Clamor to cut a 20-second snippet of audio and share the link with a friend. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. Certified black belts earn 16.7 to 26.8% higher salary than those who are not certified. You know, I got lucky. I had a company that invested in me many, many tens of thousands of dollars. This is what we're doing. We're doing a subscription model. This means that you decide how much that you're going to pay by how long you take to complete the program. If you finish faster, you pay less. It's it's pretty much that straightforward. As for now, it's going to be $270 per month. That's less than $9 per day. Just consider this. Even if it takes you a full year to complete it, you'll still pay several thousand dollars less than with a comparable program. The value of this goes far beyond that. And the value of the fact that it's self-paced, your boss doesn't have to excuse you from work. You don't have to take vacation. You do it on your own time. So here's how you apply. Go to www.esuccess-methods.com slash BB2017. Here's the password. All lowercase E6S-BB2017. That's the only way you can get to the application page, and this is the only place I'm sharing that password. The application deadline is February 28th, 2017. Again, limited to only 20 candidates. I wouldn't hesitate. I would take advantage of this right now. The price is low, and again, I can only take 20. Once that space fills up, that's it. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock.